Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey guys, today we're dropping an old episode in your feed. This is one of my favorite shows. I love this interview so much. It's with my friend Shazi and her husband Joe, and it's all about how the two of them navigated their marriage while raising their autistic son, Zane. Shazi is so honest and so vulnerable in this interview, and I thought that by resharing it with you guys, it would help promote her new podcast, which I'm really enjoying, called The Healthy Baby Show. Hosted by Shazi, this narrative podcast provides an accessible, cutting-edge, and entertaining point of view on the top emerging and debated topics in parenting. It weaves together personal stories with expert, evidence-based insights from doctors, researchers, and scientists at the forefront of new thinking about parenting. It's really good. We're going to put an episode of that in the feed, too. But to kick it all off, I wanted to remind you a little bit about Shazi and Joe. And the thing about our relationship that has really changed, obviously, is like you go from having the storybook romance and after seven years of hard work and we have this beautiful, perfect baby boy. And then all of a sudden he started regressing and losing the milestones. I mean, like your kid's going backwards, like skills he had, he, he no longer has. And, and words he Stop, said, you know, point, say, and just, would just be by himself in a corner. It was also like this bright light went out. We were both really in denial. We didn't know what it meant. It sounds like a life sentence. Both Shazi and Joe will tell you their lives completely changed after Zane's diagnosis. It wasn't just a new chapter of a book. It was a new book entirely. And their marriage, the one that Shazi described as a storybook romance, became a completely different kind of relationship. Parenting a child with autism is akin to living in PTSD because you just never know what to expect. And it can become really challenging on the relationship. And the way Joe and I responded as a team together to that information is actually what our relationship is about now. All of this crazy stress has brought us together in a way that you know, I don't think it could ever blow us apart. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed.
Okay, how did we meet? Um, yeah, we met online, and it was uh, a long time ago. So it was kind of before. I think a lot of couples, you know, commonly meet online now. So it was a little more risque, and it was not eHarmony.com. Yeah, if you know what I mean. It was like the beginning. Of yeah. Online so it was it was a New York centric. It was called Nerve.com. It was definitely like a, you know, you're getting over a relationship, more of a, a hookup kind of site. Okay. I mean, I was I fairly risque, but not that risque. But I was just at home alone, like suffering from. Uh, breakup withdrawal and reading a Time Out New York. And I was in my apartment by myself on the back couple pages of Time Out New York were classified ads. I think Shazi's handle or whatever, her her name was Palefire. Do you remember this? Palefire76. Like it's a yeah. Nabokov novel. Yes, I'm, I, I'm a huge I, I Nabokov remember, fan. I remember making the connection. Um, I don't think you made the connection. Let's, <laughs> let's not pretend you're reading any <laughs> I don't remember what your handle was but it, it was like I'm a yoga guy and I chase the sunshine you um, can't judge me on something ever Joe was actually a Wilhelmina fitness model when the two of them met I thought he was kidding when he told me that but he wasn't and he was pretty hot and he was the kind of woke laid-back dude that Shazi a no-nonsense take-no-prisoners entrepreneur actually needed I didn't know this then, but I was going to become the empowered female minority boss with like a hot male arm candy husband. (laughs) But that wasn't actually the plan. But um. yeah, and I was the yoga instructor, snowboarder guy that, you know, suddenly met this amazing woman who was very mission driven. And it was something that I found very intriguing. So we met um, at Cafe Noir. You know, I, I immediately recognized her from her from her photo, but she was definitely like, I'd just come out of a meeting, was like, I need a drink. Like, okay, nice to meet you. And she kind of just went right into the fact that she basically told some VC guys to go fuck themselves and that she had this dream of building this company and she had this idea and she'd been working on it. And, you know, they, they wanted to completely like take it away from her and offered her this really crappy deal. And she had put a lot of effort into maybe making something happen with them. And, and uh, she was just like, fuck them and like, <laughs> let me get drunk and, and uh, tell me about yourself kind of thing. So I should explain here that when Shazi met Joe, she was raising money for her organic baby food company. That little company would eventually grow into Happy Baby and then Happy Family Organics, one of the best-selling baby brands in America. If you've had a baby or toddler in the past 10 years, you have definitely tried one of their products. But that was a long way off from that night in Cafe Noir. By the end of the night, we had killed the bottle of wine. We're on the same side of the table. And even the waiter was like, wow, you guys uh, really hit it off. Joe got me with his innocence and this like purity that he has. And I remember him telling me the story about how earlier that day he had watched a puppy crossing the street and how he was just like so, you know, taken in the moment by the joy that this puppy had. And I was kind of like, Oh, that's so sweet. How can you be so simple? I like this, you know, and then it began. And then it began. And what I, what I found so exciting about Shazi was really, I, I kind of never was into business. My experience was like, you know, corporate America, and I just was very repulsed by it. And here was somebody who was like telling me about entrepreneurship and just creating something out of nothing. And I was like, whoa, this, this is really cool. This is really exciting. And the journey began. One of the things you need to know about Shazi and Joe's love story is just how different their backgrounds were. Joe had a fairly typical middle-class American upbringing in New Jersey. Shazi's parents, on the other hand, were immigrants from Pakistan and Tanzania. 
They came to the United States with nothing and moved to Alabama to open a motel when Shazi was a kid. She grew up in one of the motel rooms there. Just learning how Shazi talked about her family and her her upbringing was like but I met Joe's. Me. But I met Joe's family first because Joe's parents are from Jersey, and so we were in New York. My family was in Alabama, and um, Joe's dad said, "So what do you do for a living?" And I said, "Well, I'm I'm trying to make really healthy organic baby food so that babies can live healthier lives." And he said, "Wait a second. So you mean to tell me that you think you can make a product that's better than Gerber?" And you know, I was like a dummy 26 year old who didn't know anything. And I said, well, of course I can. I mean, Gerber is like processed garbage. And he said, did you know that I'm the VP of QA for Gerber? <laughs> I forgot to mention that too. Yeah, and I tried to recover, but um, that one's kind of forever yeah. etched in everyone's minds. Yeah. Um, and but but I, I had her back and I told him, yeah, dad, they suck. And uh, Shazi's gonna, gonna crush him. So. <laughs> Well, I think he really was pretty incredulous the first four or five years of our yeah. relationship. And then by the end, I will say, your family became very supportive. They invested in one of the last rounds at Happy Baby, and um, I was very proud to have their support. Yeah. The first time Joe met Shazi's parents was very different from that. I grew up in Alabama. I have an older brother, and he was kind of the star of the show of the family because he was a boy, and my family was Muslim. And so I always felt, you know, just by being a girl, I was born sort of quote unquote less than, and I always had to like prove myself 10 times over. And I remember saying that I wanted them to meet Joe. And for me, that was a big deal. I mean, it's kind of like for a Muslim girl to bring your white boyfriend home. It's like the equivalent of coming out of the closet, because I basically had believed my whole life that if they knew I had a white American boyfriend, that I would be disowned. And on top of that, like my parents had an arranged marriage. So like they actually thought I was going to, you know, go to college at Columbia and then find a suitable match for me. So I would get calls like every weekend from one of their friends in the New York tri-state area trying mm -hmm. to arrange me with, you know, suitable matches that were at Morgan Stanley, et cetera. And so for me to bring Joe down there was kind of a... Um, <laughs> That was definitely like, you know, birth by fire to Joe. It was like throwing him in the pool. Yeah, so to say I was intimidated it would be to put it lightly. But hold on a second. My let, dad. No, let me just let me just let me just tell Shazi this. <laughs> Meeting Shazi's dad, first of all, the guy looks like a Bollywood star. He's like ridiculously good-looking man. He's cool. And you think all these things before he even opens his mouth, and then he says something to you. And his voice is like no voice I've ever heard. It is like the most alpha, cool, chill, deep. I don't even know the combination of, of voices you could say it is. It, it's so unique and it definitely has flavors from Africa, you know, where he's from. And, and just having a cup of chai and listening to him talk is like some of the best memories I have. The best part of it yeah. for me. So we're having breakfast one morning. We're eating eggs and mani, which is this round Indian bread and chai. And um, for many of us, like all we ever crave is our parents' approval. And I just never thought I was going to get it on this topic. My dad proposed marriage to Joe for him in front of me at the breakfast table. 
I thought we were going to get married at this point, but I thought Joe would, you know, propose to me at some point with a ring or something. And like my dad beat him to proposing. So I think on some level it was like he approved of the match and he was going to schedule the arranged marriage. And it happened to be with someone he never thought in a million years would be the profile, but he loved Joe. I was deeply honored and I did end up proposing with the ring and doing the whole thing, but um, it was already set in motion. It was <laughs> less of a surprise. Then. Yeah, it was less of a surprise. <laughs> I said yes, but um, I had already said yes, so it wasn't, I don't know. I feel like the real proposal. But was... I, I felt I felt compelled to get on a knee and do the whole thing. But I have to say in retrospect, the pageantry of that moment has been less. Um, yeah. I think, that the, you know, at, at, the, at the table in Birmingham, Alabama with her parents was actually just a really special moment that is far more romantic and memorable and, and vivid in my mind. That was a really special memory. They planned a destination wedding in Jamaica. Small, intimate. Shazi's dad walked her down this little stone pathway, and then the two of them were married by her best friend, Liz. And it had been raining a lot in Jamaica, And then all of a sudden, literally when they start playing this really cool jazz trio music for us to walk down, it sprinkles a little bit. And then the sun came and just kind of followed me down the path with my dad. That was really special. Let's take a quick break here. When we get back, Shazi and Joe become parents. The early years of Shazi and Joe's marriage, like the early years of most marriages, were a blur. It was all about the business, all about happy baby. Everything was just about making that happen. We were totally broke. We lived in this little apartment in Jersey City, and like we struggled. I think my salary was $26,000 a year. You didn't even take a salary. Then it became 26 k and then Joe taught yoga. Yeah, I, I just cool. hustled, and I, I'd never been part of something <laughs> entrepreneurial before, and also never something that was so, like, mission-centric, and just, like, I, I loved it, and I loved the team, and I'd give all these pep talks and kind of use my sports background to keep the team motivated, And but I had to hustle. I had to do other things. Yeah, and it was constantly like that because we were always up against the impossible, and, like, the early part of our marriage was really us building this business. They didn't plan for their first child. Zane was a happy accident. He was born January 2010, and... He was just like the sweetest little feller. This is seven years after I started working on the company that we had Zane. I had a, you know, a rough pregnancy, really rough labor. After 20 hours, it turned into a C-section. It went from, you know, being in the birthing center and candles and music to, like, trauma and C-section and... um, I don't know, I was like shaking in a room by myself for many, many hours before I got to even hold him. And I can tell you that as much as it sounds like Joe and I love each other, I don't think I actually experienced true love until that moment of holding Zane. And just at that point in our life, like anything that I wanted or anything that Joe wanted took a backseat to this little being that was such an angel. I'm just, I haven't thought about it in a while. I'm just having wonderful memories of being in the hospital after the birth. And it's kind of one of you know those times where I just really remember Shazi's, both her parents were there. My parents were there. It was just this lovely, perfect time. And he was so perfect. He was so sweet. He and still is. He, nothing's changed. He's so innocent. Well, everything perfect. has changed. Oh, but not that innocent. 
and you know and then then like anytime i was traveling for work like we have this big trade show the natural products expo west and like it was a few weeks after he was born and he was in the baby bjorn and i like worked the booth at the show with him there like latched onto my breast and like that's the way we roll you know you just like yeah and he was that so was back cute when we used to travel we used to travel in style back then like not, not in style but i mean like, we would it was just fun. it was so fun and like I remember taking him to Jamaica when he was like a little over a year and him dancing in the airport. When you first land in Montego Bay, there are these three dudes that play reggae music live. And it's such a cool experience. And Zane was just like, you put him down and you'd have babies start dancing by like kind of like bobbing their knees. And then you could just see him. Then he added like a little neck bob and he was dancing and smiling and so happy. That period of time, I don't think I've ever been happier. Yeah. Between the day that he was born and then the day that he was diagnosed with autism. Yeah, I just remember, even in the photos, you could just see his eyes were so clear. And just, I remember him just like, I don't know, it was prior to ever hearing the word autism. Both Shazi and Joe say their lives completely changed after the diagnosis. It's not just a new chapter of a book. It's a new book. And their marriage? It became a different kind of relationship entirely. So Zane was totally typically developing the first two years. I don't know. I mean, he used to talk and dance and point and look at the moon and he had words. And in fact, Joe and I would, ironically, we would sit around and talk about like how lucky we were to have such a perfect, smart baby. He seemed very advanced in in many ways. And then all of a sudden he started regressing and losing the milestones. And, um, and when we say regressing, I mean, like, your kid's going backwards. Like, skills he had, he, he no longer has. And, and words learning. he said, Stop, you know, point, say, and just would just be by himself in a corner. Or, like, as soon as, you know, something like that happens with your child, it's... It was also, yeah. like, this bright light went out because you. he always had these, like, bright... My dad always said he had these, like, flashlight eyes. Like, they were so bright and illuminated. And all of a sudden, it was like they went, they went a little yeah. dark. So we got his diagnosis when he was maybe 26 or 27 months old. Remember, it was April 12th, 2012. You know, there's this like moment of denial because we couldn't believe it because we'd known him. It wasn't like there were all of these signs along the way that we were, like he regressed so quickly. It wasn't like this baby boy was born with autism. It is called regressive autism. And so when we heard that word, we were both really in denial. We didn't know what it meant. It sounds like a life sentence. And, you know, you start Googling and looking for support and research. And, and there's there was not very much hope with autism as a diagnosis for us. It can be the thing that tears a family apart. I mean, the divorce rate for families with autism, it's close to it's 80%. Parenting a child with autism is akin to living in PTSD because you just never know what to expect. And it can become really challenging on the relationship. And the thing that, about our relationship that has really changed, obviously, is like you go from having this storybook romance and after seven years of hard work and we have this beautiful, perfect baby boy. And then all of a sudden, like every hope and dream that you have for the future because you realize all of that other stuff was nice, but this is actually all, everything is him. And then all of a sudden it's sort of taken away. And the way Joe and I responded as a team together to that information is actually what our relationship is about now. 
It's about instead of being committed to each other for, I don't know, love and fun and romance, it's about being committed to each other to help our child. And it takes it to a whole new level. It's not about me. It's not about Joe. It's not about what either of us feels like eating for dinner. It's about what are we doing today and this week and this month to get Zane to a place where he can reach his highest potential in this life. I feel like I'm the CEO of a whole nother company, which is like Team Zane. We are the co-founders of Team Zane. Yeah. And, and in a way, you know, the, the PTSD is very real. And to the point that, you know, Zane was a bolter and he, you just, he literally can't just not look and see what he's doing because he could just wander away. He required all of our time and attention and love. For a while, I couldn't imagine having another child until I realized that that life needed to go on and that maybe actually having a sibling would be part of his healing and part of our healing. The idea of having another baby really crystallized for Shazi when her dad passed away. And I also felt like we needed basically to create someone to be there for Zane when one day when we're not able to be. Because, you know, we will say that we expect him to be totally fine. But anybody who knows anything about planning for the future knows that you have to, you know, hope for the best and plan for the worst. And so my dad died and, you know, he spoke Swahili. And um, the day that he died, I remember thinking, well, we're going to have a baby girl and we're going to name her Asha because Asha means life in Swahili. A lot of times in our relationship, honestly, I'm the one who just makes the decisions. And then Joe is... I say yes. And then we yeah. had to make it happen. And, and it was, happened. it took a few that years. That was a whole other journey. That was October of 2013. And it took until July of 2016 to make that happen. It took a lot of intervention and planning and detoxing and research. Shazi and Joe tried to remove every single known risk factor for autism that they could control. One of the things is that it's four times more likely to have a boy than a girl. So we did IVF just to have a girl. And I you know, did this entire full detox program. And at that point, I was so activistic already about environmental health and protecting children. And I joined the board of the Neurological Health Foundation, which basically exists to help prevent neurological disorders in children for women who are planning to or are expecting. There are so many factors that you can control. You know, I, I literally had this like list on my iPad of 200 studies and I just did every single thing known to man to ensure that we could have the healthiest baby possible. You know, in life, you, you don't know what you don't know. And unfortunately, we, you know, the things we know now, we don't, we don't have a time machine, can't go back and have done anything to change those early days with Zane. But we used all the knowledge we learned to really help Asha and set her up for success. But Shazi did get pregnant and everything was looking great. Everything was looking so good at the 16-week anatomy scan that they decided to share the pregnancy news with their friends, family, and Shazi's team at Happy Family. We saw pictures and little Asha's perfect and, you know, it's kind of like put the pictures on the on the fridge and... You know, well, the Happy I, I, Family put it on oh, the yeah. Facebook page. It actually went viral. We had like 180,000 views. You know, a lot of people go through that IVF journey and we actually had on camera the moment we heard the heartbeat and we got the thumbs up that it had stuck. And the very next day, Shazi tells me she peed herself and then it was really weird. And she went to take a shower and we look and it was kind of like very viscous, like bloody, like it was not pee. 
we had to go to the doctor and they said I was having a miscarriage and um, yeah. it was amniotic fluid and they did the pH test and the doctor actually was crying because she knew how much we had done to yeah. have that baby. And then I went from like, well, what's the chances of that? What, like, give, give me some, you know, odds. And she's just like, this is happening. I'm, I'm so sorry. And they put us in like a, a grieving room. And then and, they sent us to the hospital. And then they sent us to the hospital. And we went to the hospital and actually the woman who had done the anatomy scan the day before was like, what are you doing here? We just did your anatomy scan. Everything's perfect. And I'm like, well, my water broke. So she did another scan and there was Asha, heart beating strong like a little baby lion. And it was 16 weeks. And this is the miracle of life. And this is why our children keep living up to their name, because Zane means beautiful gift from God, and Asha means life and hope. And Asha's little heart was beating, and the fluid had not fully drained out, and I was bleeding. And there was this huge blood clot, and it was plugging where I had a rupture in the amniotic sac. And it happened to be 16 weeks when Asha's kidneys developed, and the kidneys could then start replenishing the amniotic fluid. But of course, they told us to just have an abortion, or they call it a DNC. I've never watched a clock so so much in my life. And so, yeah, that first, like after they said there is a slight chance, then it was, there's a 95% chance you're going to go in labor the next three hours. And like lose your uterus and be infected. And they just kept pushing us to have the procedure. For three days, they did that. Chazzy had zero hope. Everybody had zero hope. All my friends, my close friends all told me like, dude, just like you gotta let it go and, and life goes on and in Asha's case I had this reservoir of like I refuse to believe it. Uh, luckily the worst time was between basically that 17 weeks and 33 weeks because then then it was scary that I would have a miscarriage and they wouldn't consider the baby viable yeah. and then uh, on top of the Shazis and, and bed rest for four like how yeah, it was like four months, four months and, and she's not somebody who like you would think would do well in bed rest and still running a company we still have a, a child with special needs we still had a lot of other things going on and yeah it was an acutely stressful winter that we somehow got through well the beauty of it is Asha made it she did so she was born in July of 2016, and she is um, a whippersnapper, and she has proven to be, in some ways, what we thought, which would be a little therapist for her brother. I think she looks at him and doesn't see anything wrong, and that's really special. And she's starting to realize that he is different, and we need to figure out how to talk to her about that and get her on board with being his life's therapist until he no longer qualifies as having autism. But now I know everything's going to be okay because she'll always be there. Um, And now I don't have to focus on living till I'm 120. It's such a unique experience with Asha in the sense that to witness a neurotypical child develop was a new experience for Shazi and I. It's so weird to have joy and sorrow so mixed together in a sense that I, I see her do something incredible, some new milestone. And while I'm so excited and proud, at the same moment, I'm like, God, that took Zane two years to do. And like, so there's just this joyful sorrow that, you know, it's bittersweet. I know Shazi feels the same and it's just life, beautiful and sad and beautiful. You can't control everything, but science is pretty amazing. And there is so much that we've learned about neuroplasticity and resilience and various exercises and how we can create organized brains and the nutrition that needs to be focused on to create a healthy brain and so much else. And we put all of that into Asha and we basically were creating like, you know, her brother's keeper, but Asha's turned out to be quite a little boss. Just like her mom. 
Time for a quick break. Be right back. A marriage often gets put on the back burner when something happens to a child. As Shazi mentioned, the divorce rate for parents with kids diagnosed with autism is said to hover somewhere around 80%. We're not the same people that got married in Jamaica. Yeah. The reason we're still together is because we agree on the way to treat Zane. And the reason that I think, you know, 80% of marriages with autism and then divorce and many suffer bankruptcy as well is because the parents don't necessarily always agree on the way forward where maybe one person is in acceptance and the other is in denial, um, or they see it as, again, as a life sentence. And we both realize that if something is worth fighting for in this world, you fight for it and you never stop. And that's same. And so our relationship, it's not the same romantic, fun, happy-go-lucky relationship. I'm not saying that we don't we, don't I, lo- we love can, each other, but we love Zane more. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, it's I, just I, the I, purpose I, has changed. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Shazi doesn't sleep at night. She's always thinking, always planning, always strategizing. She's this true visionary, incredible person. And I am I am in love with my incredible wife. And I am in awe of her. And the things I witness her do like inspire me deeply. I just happen to be a morning person. And so like, e- even through all the craziness we've been through, I can fall asleep like a log. Cause I'm, I'm also an athlete and I just, my body just shuts off and I can pass out and start snoring and she probably wants to kill me. But her mind, she can't shut it off. And so she's up all night. And, you know, unfortunately with autism, Zane is not a great sleeper. And so she doesn't sleep. And I love mornings and I don't ever see my wife in the morning. We don't have breakfast together. And so I take care of the kids in the morning and, you know, we kind of are sometimes, you know, ships in the night. But all of this crazy stress has brought us together in a way that I don't think it could ever blow us apart. And when we do have our time as a family together, which happens every night, we have at least a couple hours where we are actually together. And that's like something that we protect. I mean, as best as we can, we protect to have that time. And it's not actually always fun, but I do think it's important. But here's the good news. Zane's thriving today. He's made tremendous progress. And we've, and he's not we, we, we've literally left no stone unturned as far as different therapies and um, interventions. And, you know, I couldn't honestly tell you what specific things have helped him the most because we just we keep trying everything. And the good news is, you know, at one point he was going in the wrong direction and he's, you know, it's certainly developmentally slower than, than his peers, but he's moving in the right direction. And, and Shazi and I have all the hope in the world. He's it's just a, a different timeline. Shazi built Happy Family Organics into a $200 million a year business. She eventually sold it in 2013 and stepped down as their CEO in 2017. And since then, she's made it her mission to pour everything she learned from Zane and from Asha into her new company, Healthy Nest. And with Healthy Nest, it's kind of like our joint purpose with Healthy Nest is to share everything that we've learned the hard way to ideally help some families avoid some of this. So Healthy Nest is a safe space for parents to not just get information that can critically improve the health and outcome of their child's life. It's also all these products that are truly non-toxic and safe. And then they're paired with routines that allow you to make even deeper neural connections with your baby. Especially if, let's say you're someone like me, who's a very busy mom 
you're having a baby, you want to do everything right, you want to be perfect, you want to give them the very best, but you're so stressed. And when you're stressed, it's harder as a mom to connect with your intuition. I really feel, Joe, that we, you know, we were just compelled to do it, you know, just to have this information. And some of it's so simple. And I personally, I love to connect with dads because, you know, with my experience with Zane, I so desperately wanted to talk and connect with my son and the difficulties we had with that. You know, I could be at, be at a playground and see a dad on his phone and, and his kid's trying to talk to him and they just, they don't know. And you just want to shake him and be like, I know it seems annoying because your kid's talking about the same thing or whatever, but it's like, you have no idea like what I would do to have my child talking to me that way. Figuring out how to raise Zane has forced Shazi and Joe to figure out their roles in their relationship. To figure out how each of them can bring their individual strengths to the table without completely burning out. I think that in a relationship, if let's say the parents or the partners disagree on something, there could be this lingering question of which way to go. And I think in our relationship, I kind of chart our path forward. And Joe's response is to always support kind of the strategy. It's like we're really on the same page about what needs to happen. And there are so many things that are required in terms of logistics and planning around making sure we're doing everything that we possibly can to help him. I think we communicate in a way that is better because it's almost like there are things that don't even have to be said because he knows that his job is to stay happy and be fun and engage Zane and play these games and be physical and just find the joy. And he knows that he's got to be Asha's super dad. And I know that if there is new clinical research to be read, that I'm going to be the one reading it at two in the morning and then send an email about how we're going to react to that or how we can utilize that to possibly support Zane. And it's almost like the CEO and the COO. Yeah, we, we, we all have our gifts and, you know, unique areas where we shine. And my wife just happens to be uniquely gifted in, in many areas. But the things I'm good at are that they would be very hard for her. With my son, sometimes I'm really good and patient and spend a lot of time. And we have a very physical relationship. So a lot of running around and playing and jumping and hiking and being outside and doing stuff. So I know how brilliant my wife is. And I just I'd like to give her the headspace to just let her feel like the kids are squared away. Just giving her that space and just knowing where her imagination and, and vision can take us. You know, when I think about it, and hopefully someday I will have this opportunity to talk to my son about a woman maybe he's thinking about marrying. And, and you know, to think about the decision, if you're thinking about having a partner and someone you're going to spend the rest of your life with, it's not about, oh, the wedding and the fun times. It's about you guys are going to go through a river of shit at some point in your life. You know, nobody gets away from it. Life gets everybody. And yes, everybody has different challenges, but life challenges everybody. And, and who you choose to be with, you got to pick the person that you want to be in a trench with and everything's gone wrong and you have to make some hard decisions and rely on each other and be back to back. And I just think that I made a very good decision and I feel like a very lucky man. And I think that I made a very good decision and that my dad was very smart to propose to you. Our conversation, Shazi told me they have this family motto. 
but she told me not to ask about it till the end of the interview. So when we were all done, I asked. It's pretty simple. It's, we, we win. win. <laughs> we win. And I don't know how that resonates with other people, but the way it resonates with us is that we never at, give at up. At least for me, yeah. You know, you can't win everything, right? You, you can't win every battle. But you know what? If you don't give up, you can't lose. You, you only lose when you don't try or you just give up. And Shazi and I are just wired that for things that are meaningful, for things we've committed ourselves to, for things we've decided on doing, we will never give up. And that means we win. We win. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza, with special thanks to Shazi Vizram and Joe Kulak. It was produced, edited, and mixed by Ramsey Yunt. The executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Klang. Theme song by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's J-O at committedpodcast.com. You can grab a copy of Joe's book, How to Be Married, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 